0: Father, we just come to you tonight, Lord, and I ask, God, that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would open our ears and our hearts to you. God, that whatever words I have to say, God, it would lie on deaf ears tonight, that it would be you speaking the whole time. So, Lord, fill this place, be here, Lord, but most of all, God, speak to our hearts in a way we would understand you more and that we would know Jesus more. So we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alrighty, well, we're in Colossians chapter one. I'm gonna be covering quite a few, actually. It's gonna be from verse one to fourteen. That's where we'll end. And um I don't have a title for this message, so um we'll pick that out later when it goes on the internet and stuff. So Colossians chapter one, we're just gonna we're just gonna hit it. So, verse 1, starting with Paul speaking, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and the faithful brothers in Christ or in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from uh, from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid out for you in heaven. Of this you have heard, before in the word of truth, the Gospel, verse 6, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Yeah, that was a lot to read. So, but we're gonna break it down now, and um, here we go. You know, we'll we'll start with uh, verse one to two or to three, or oh, to two actually. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by w- by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Well, in these in these three wait two verses actually, I, I I grasp onto so much in these two verses. It I mean it might sound just a few you know, but if uh, if you all have noticed if you guys have gone through the Gospels or or at least the you know the New Testament, Paul when he when he writes to writes these letters to the churches he always he always states Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus or he would say a servant of Christ Jesus or he would say a prisoner of Christ Jesus from the book of Romans all the way to the book of Hebrews he wrote all those books so that's 14 books that Paul has written from the book of Romans to Hebrews Hebrews people say that that was kind of like Paul's writing some people think Barnabas wrote it but we're not too sure. I would say, you know, maybe half and half. So Paul wrote from Romans to Hebrews. That's 14 books. But out of those 14 books, 13 of them from Romans to, uh, to, uh, to Philemon you, or, uh, or Philemon or Philemon, whatever. What, <laughs> however you pronounce it. The Apostle Paul would always begin that his statement, that he is an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and in the end of that same paragraph, that same paragraph, he would he would end it by saying grace to you and peace from our God, our Father and the Lord Christ Jesus. So, he, so for some reason, he always states this in 13 books, 13 books, he always writes the same thing. That's his opener, that's his ending in that first paragraph. You guys can go and check it out for yourself. <clears throat> But he goes on and writes to the people, to these people that he gives thanks to God always. And <coughs> when we take a look here, we see that Paul's always thanking God for everything he does. It's God that uses Paul, that Paul can be used to reach out to these people. Now, why would Paul always write letters like this, repeating the same thing? Repeating, you know, Paul, an apostle of Christ in the same way when he ends that same paragraph, grace to you and peace from our Father. And then he moves on in verse 3 and says, thanks be to God. He would take these three things always from verse 1 to verse 3, he would always, three steps, and I call this the three R's. He demonstrates three things within this paragraph. I call it the three R's. He makes us recognize that it's all about Jesus. That's the first R. He makes. That, that that letter to the church or to that to the people to recognize it's all about Jesus because when he moves on <clears throat> when he moves on G- it, it's what Jesus has done when he says I an apostle of Christ Jesus he's lowering himself he's he's, he's saying I a bond servant I a prisoner of Jesus Christ he's putting himself lower, to Christ Jesus. Why? Because he knows it's all about Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. How many of us know it's all about Jesus? We, we, we may say, oh, praise him, or oh, praise Lord," all that game. But do we really understand what we're saying? Do we really understand that it's all about Jesus? Are we like Peter? Like in Matthew chapter 16 verse 16, after Jesus has said, Who am I? Who do people say I am? His his disciples were saying, Oh, people think you're uh, Elisha. People think you're so-and-so. They think you're this person or that person. But Peter, out of all the disciples, said, No. Peter said, Jesus, you, you are the Christ. You are our Father in Heaven. You are the Son of the Living God. Peter knew who Jesus Christ was. You know, Peter... The stubborn guy that that thinks he can do anything. He's the one that stood up and said, You are the son of the living God. You are the Christos. You are the Messiah. That's what he says. And so here we take it that Paul lowers himself because he knows that it's all about Jesus. So we all need to recognize it's about Jesus. The second R that Paul recognizes in here is that he realizes the grace of God. He would always end by saying grace to you. He would always end by saying that grace to you and peace from our God the Father in Christ Jesus. He realizes it's the grace of God that would draw men to repentance, that would draw people to Jesus. In the book of Acts chapter 20 verse 24 it says it's the grace of the gospel. That's what we share. We share the grace of God. How many of us share that? You know, I have a hard time sometimes, like, being patient, pouring grace upon people. I have a stinking hard time of that, you know, I'm always complaining. I'm always like, oh my gosh, what do people always want to text message me for? I hate text messages, you know, that's like not my thing, I hate it, you know, like, it charges me five cents. Come on now, you know? (coughs) And so, I have, I I lack a lot of patience, you know, but here, God has all the patience in the world for us, and it's the grace of God that gives us all these patience, that gives us the kindness, that gives us love, man, it's the grace of God, when we realize what God has done for us, we can slowly start doing the same for people, when people stab us in the back, we're like, it's all good, you know. When people keep on coming up to us and say, Hey man, hey, I have this dumb question, you know. And they they try to criticize you or try to get you to answer these dumb questions. It's the grace of God still. That's what should be pouring out of us. It's God's grace. And that's why Peter always states that right after he denies himself to be any higher than God. He would always focus on the grace of God. In the third R he reminds us to always give thanks when we pray verse three you can see in verse three we always give thanks we always thank god the father of our lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you he would always state that somewhere within the second paragraph of every of all those thirteen books from Romans to Philemon he would always state thank you Give thanks to the Lord, always. So, when Paul is speaking within these three verses, he's saying that what? We need to recognize it's all about Jesus. We need to deny ourselves every day. It's all about Jesus. We need to realize that it's the grace of God that should come forth through us. We need to understand what the grace of God is, how much He has done for us, and that's how we'll start to understand, and that's how we can start pouring grace upon people. And third, he reminds us to always give thanks to our God in heaven. In Psalms 79, uh, chapter 79, verse 13, it says, But we, your people, the, sh- the, she- uh, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever and ever. David speaking. We are his people. We should be giving thanks to God in everything we do. It goes on as First Chronicles sixteen eight. give thanks to God, call upon His name, make, him, make know His deeds among the people. Give thanks to God, always giving thanks to God. We need to know that guys, we need to always give thanks to God. And those are the three R's, recognize, realize, and remind. Re- remind ourselves it's to give thanks to God. Recognize that it's all about Jesus. Realize it's about the grace of God that that, that's why we're here, that's why we get to go to heaven. Remember those three. Moving on to verse 4 and 5 Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. We'll stop right there. Well, let me give you a little back. I should have gave you a little background on what Colossians is all about. It's Paul is writing a letter to the church of Colossae that he's 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 rejoicing in this in this first chapter that good things are happening. You know that these people are actually trusting in God. And Epaphras is one of the guys that lives over there that's sharing this good news with everyone, and so the the whole background is we're seeing that there's revival going on in Colossae. So in verse four and five, Paul points out three things to rejoice about. You know, I mean, Paul is excited about what's going on in verse four and five. He 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 says. Since we have heard of your faith in Christ. That's the first thing he's rejoicing over. He's rejoicing over that these people in Colossae, they're having faith in Christ. Paul's Paul's thinking, going, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Why? Because Paul knows that these people are being saved, that they get to go to heaven, and that they're putting their faith in Christ. The second thing is that these people are... Well, let me just read it for you. They're putting, or we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints. That these people are loving on all the people that are putting their faith in Christ, the saints. When, when we when we've given our life to the Lord, we are we are considered saints. You know, we are considered His children, His people. We, we're adopted <coughs> into the family. You know. So when we go to heaven and all the Jews, God's real people, when we go to heaven, God's going to say, "And you're all my children. Jew, what what are you talking about? You guys are all my people, you know. He's not going to distinguish us away from his people just because we're the adopted sons and daughters. He's going to be like, man, this is one big happy family. We get to feast together. So it's the love for the saints that Paul's rejoicing that these people are loving on each other, and the next one is in, for, in verse five because of the hope laid up in <coughs> laid up for you in heaven. These, Paul knows that these people have the hope of heaven, that they know where they're going when they die. <coughs> these three things that. The Colossians, or that the, Col- that the Church of Colossae understood helped them to become mature and fruitful to where others were drawn to them. There was revival going on, guys. When people were giving their, getting, putting their trust in God, having faith in Christ Jesus, it started many revivals. People knew. They saw this. They saw what was going on. It was different. These people just all of a sudden started to change. Is that happening to us? Can people see us? Can people see revival within our hearts? Everyone, everyone talks about revival. We—that's all we do. We all talk about it. Oh man, I can't wait for revival to happen in Riverside or Newcastle or Australia or New Zealand. Oh, revival this, revival that. Revival starts with you first. You know and. And I love what Jason Phillips said once, he, said, he just said, you want to know where revival starts? Go outside, take a chalk, draw a circle and step in it. That's where revival starts. Has it started in your life? Mine too. Can people see something joyful within our hearts, within us? Can they see Jesus? It's not about us looking good for anyone, guys. That's what we worry about so much in the church. I, I hate to say it, but it's true. That's all we worry about. Oh, who's got the coolest <coughs> big car or truck? Oh, who's looking good to teach? Who who's moving up on the rankings of being the next pastor? Oh, maybe that person because they look good. Because people see that this person's a handsome hurt guy, maybe we should take him up and raise him up as a pastor. Why not? the other person? Why not the nerdiest kid? Why not the kid that doesn't look good? Why don't we look for those things? Or maybe when we're looking for a relationship, oh, I want, I want the hottest girl, man, that's, you know, that's just me. Or, oh, I want the, the most handsome guy that's just gonna... Why do we look for those things? Why don't we look for, I want the godliest girl. I want the godliest man. I don't care about, okay, yeah, maybe I care about physical feature, but man, if he loves Jesus, if she loves Jesus, if they fear the Lord, that's the person I want. Do we fear the Lord? Do we love Jesus? Yeah, it's all good and dandy, yeah, oh, heaven's going to be great, but do we fear Him? You know, it, 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 that has brought up to my mind the other day and I was just like I always keep thinking you know God's awesome, God's great yeah man everything's perfect but I've never really sat down and thought about fearing the Lord well I should fear the Lord He can flip me off the face of the earth if He wanted to do we fear the Lord? we should why? because it will make our relationship With one another and with Jesus a lot more stronger. Think about that. Do you fear the Lord? Moving on. But these people have the hope of heaven. And in 1 Kings 8, verse 27, Solomon speaking, he says, Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less is this house? I have built. These people understood that I get to go to heaven. And when we see, and when we go back to 1st King Solomon you know, the son of David, he builds this altar and he understands that man everything I do on on the face of the earth is not gonna matter. I can build the greatest temple, I can build the dopest house for the Lord whatever I can do anything great here on earth, but it's not going to satisfy the Lord. Heaven is far more greater than what I can give to the Lord. Do we worry about material things? Are our thoughts focused on heaven? Are we living for heaven? Are we living that man, when we go to heaven, we can say, Lord. Oh, snap, dude, I can't believe Look at the... I can't believe there's five trucks filled of treasures just, just for you. I can't believe that I, would, that I did that for you. That you would use me to give you all this treasure. I can't believe that. Wow. Do we live like we're living for the Lord as we're living for heaven? Storing up our treasures in heaven? I hope so. I hope I am, you know. But we, we won't know until we reach that day. But moving on to verse 6. So, I mean, to, to remind you, so those are the three things that these people understood. They understood, they, they, or that Paul is rejoicing over these people, that these people had faith in Christ Jesus, the love for one another, and that they had the hope for heaven. And that's why Paul is just going nuts. He's having a party back at home. And going on to verse 6. Which has come to you, So, who's this Epaphras guy we're all talking? You know that Paul's like, both like, you know, giving a little clap for you know. Well, he's just a normal person. He's just a he's, he's a normal dinky dude, probably that probably some just some normal guy walking around Colossae that's showing the love as we as we read in here in verse 7 just as you learn it from Epaphras these people just learned it from him it doesn't take a sinner's prayer to, to know Jesus Christ all you gotta do is believe that's all you gotta do and that's what these people saw they saw something something different, different about Epaphras and they're just like oh snap so they start learning after this guy what he would do I bet you anything you know how People in the church, they love to gossip. We all love to gossip. We all love to do all these things. I bet you anything, Epaphras probably gossip. But man, when he was gossiping, he was like, man, dude, so-and-so, or Johnny Boy, oh, man. He's just so awesome. Did you hear what he did the other day? Man, he gave that guy $5.00. Man, that's awesome. He probably went around gossiping to everyone the goodness of each person instead of the negativity towards each person. How else are people going to learn from Epaphras? He he was shining. He showed the love. We all know in First John 4, right, that those who love God know him. Obviously, people knew. Epaphras knew who... Or actually how he knows God in a special way that is just beaming off his face, just like when Moses went up to Mount Sinai to receive the the, the Ten Commandments, the tablets, and when he came down, the people saw this glow on, on his face as if he was hanging out with the Lord. Wait, he was hanging out with the Lord, see? People just knew instantly, do people say that about you? Do people say good things about you? Do they praise the Lord for you? Oh, man, praise the Lord for for Pete, man. He's just awesome. He's always bringing encouragement to me. He's always praying for me. Do people talk like that about you? I hope so. Why? Because that shows that Jesus (coughs) is living in your life just like how we see Epaphras here. (coughs) But moving on to verse 9. And so from the day we heard with joy, and patient with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the, of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. <clears throat> what I really want to focus on this part is Paul's prayer there's three things well we just covered three sections three things each you know and this is the last section well there's three things that Paul is praying for if we if we've all noticed within this passage let's start with verse one or verse nine and so from the day we heard we have not ceased to pray for you okay here's Paul we have not ceased to pray for you so what there's three Things that Paul's praying for. So listen up closely, because we should be praying this all the time for people, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So the first thing that Paul prays for for these people. Remember, these people are not bummed. They're excited. They just. They, they know they're going to heaven right now. They're rejoicing in the Lord right now. They're, co- they're, going, they're going nuts for the Lord right now. A prayer does not have to be, oh man, so-and-so's mom died or so-and-so's sick. We can also pray for the people rejoicing in the Lord as well. When was the last time that someone just said, man, I got an A on my test? When was the last time we prayed, Lord, may you continue to bless that person with the A on their test? When was the last time we prayed that? Not often because I find myself always praying for Oh man, I'm sick right now. Oh, let's pray right away. I find myself praying for all the bad things, never the good things. Paul is making us realize that we should be praying for both bad and good things that happen to people. We should always be praying for that. So we see that everyone's rejoicing. So Paul is praying that these people would know the will of God and walk worthy of Him. That's his his prayer right there. In the first prayer that he's praying for these people that are rejoicing, that they would know the will of God and that they would walk worthy of them. Why? Because when we're rejoicing, when we're excited about the Lord, we want to continue that. And Paul understood that. Man, I'm going to continue to pray for these people. They're having a blast right now. They're loving life. They're going to heaven. I'm going to continue to pray for them, because Paul doesn't see them bummed out at all. So that's the first thing Paul understands that Paul that Paul shares with us is always be praying for them. But this is the prayer: pray that th- pray that they would know the will of God, that they would walk worthy of Him in these good times and in these bad times. The second thing that Paul points out in in this prayer, we'll read on verse ten. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So the second thing Paul points out that we should be praying for is that these people should be fruitful and strengthened with His might. We should be praying that, man, may this person be fruitful today, God. May this person be strengthened with your your might, with your spirit and that they would gain fruit from this. Because these people are rejoicing. Like I said, we don't pray for people rejoicing. We pray we pray for people when they're in sadness. But Paul's praying these prayers to these people. Grasp on that, that they would be fruitful. First thing, that they would know the will of God and walk worthy of Him. Second thing, that they would be fruitful and be strengthened with His might. And the third thing that Paul points out, we'll continue reading in verse 11, may you, may you be strengthened with all power according to the glorious might, for all endurance and patient with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the, inher- in the inheritance of the saints in life. So the third thing Paul prays for, for these people <coughs> is that they would be patient <coughs> and full of joy. Why would, he, why would he pray for these things? Because when, when, when we're going nuts, when we're having a good time with the Lord, nothing can stop us, right? Nothing can hinder us. We're, we're just too happy and excited. But it's going to wear down after that. You're going to find yourself wearing down, getting beat down. And that's when patience comes in. That's when joy comes in. And that's why Paul's praying this ahead of time. Even though that they're not bummed out now, he's praying all these things ahead of time so that they may not that they may not grow weary and impatient, impatient. And that's why Paul reco- recommends this to us to so that we can do this. These these three prayers are the things that are gonna last for eternity. With these prayers, you're going to help this person bear treasure in heaven for eternity. Did you know that? Knowing the will of God, being strengthened by Him, walking worthy of Him, being fruitful, being patient, filled with joy. If you continue to pray this for people, and let's say the Lord starts sending these prayers to them, what's going to happen to that person? They're going to be filled with all those things you have been praying for. And what happens to all those things that's happening? It lasts forever in in eternity. You're helping their bank account grow. You're helping them grow more and more in the Lord. So remember the first one was to know, to understand the will of God and to walk worthy of Him. Some of us might want to know, what's the will of God? We pray for people for, that they would know the will of God. What's the will of God? Well, in John chapter 6, verse 40, it says, For this is the will of God. Here we go. We get to know the will of God right here. John chapter 6, verse 40. You don't have to turn there, but you can mark it down, whatever. For this is the will of God, that everyone who looks on the sun and believe in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That's the will of God. For people to believe in Jesus, that we may not grow weary of that. That's why Paul's praying this, that they may, they may continue to know and believe and have faith in, in God. That's the will of God right there. Second, fruitful to be fruitful and strengthened with His might. In Matthew chapter 3 verse 8, it says, Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. How do you bear fruit? By keeping repentance. By knowing what's repentance? It's a change of mind. A lot of people say it's a change of direction. Yes, it's a change of direction too. But what happens? You're going to fall back into that direction. It's going to happen you're gonna fall back but the change of mind when you know it's wrong and you do it and you still know it's wrong that's repentance right there because we can change the direction as much as we want and we're gonna fall again but when we change our mind towards that thing we already know it's wrong yes we do it but what we still know it's wrong so keeping repentance that's how you're gonna be fruitful and last but not least, pray that these people would have patience and joy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we know that love is what? It's patience. Paul prayed Paul, Paul for these people, for patience, as he's praying for that. He's praying that these people would love more and more. Do we do that? Have have we ever thought I've never I, I'll admit I'll be the first to raise my hand. I've never after after studying this, I have never prayed for anyone that they would know the will of God or to to be fruitful and strengthened. I would always pray, Lord bless them. But I never prayed these prayers until the Lord revealed this to me. And this is what Paul's praying for the people. I think we should Take forth in heed to what Paul is saying, because he went from the top Pharisee to the the guy that wrote three fourths of the New Testament. I'm pretty sure Paul understood, and I'm pretty sure that he wasn't living his life for, like this for no reason. And then last, and not last, but the most important thing to pray for is for is for It's for these people. For you guys. You guys pray for your friends. Pray these things. It's going to last forever. It will last forever. So, I'm just going to repeat this one more time. Um, Yes. Okay, I'm doing good because I wanted to kind of end early, but I'm going to repeat the nine things we've learned, but in categories of three. So, three steps of three. So, Paul demonstrates... The three R's, which is recognize it's all about Jesus, realize it's the grace of God, That that's why we're here, that's why we're living, and to always remind ourselves to thank God for everything he does. And then the next three things that Paul rejoices over is the faith of these people that they believe in Christ. We should, we should, be, we should be rejoicing over that. The love that they have towards the saints, towards their brothers and sisters, and the hope of heaven. Paul gets excited for these people because they they have this. We have this. How often do we get excited for one another? Not much. We only get excited over material things when someone says, "Oh man, I just got a new car, oh man, that's sick. That's what we get excited over, but we don't get excited over daily Dakota, man. Today's a new day and we are still in the will of God, man. You're loving your people, man, we get to go to heaven together. We never do that. I don't. But Paul does that. He's teaching us something here. Why why would Paul teach us this, you know, faith in Christ? Why should we why should we rejoice that these people have faith in Christ? Because if you look back on Romans chapter five, verse one, We've been justified by, the, by our faith in Christ Jesus. We've been made righteous. We, we get to go to heaven. We, we have been forgiven because of our faith in Christ Jesus. That's why Paul points this out. And going on, the last three things was to pray for these people's eterni- eternity treasures. That these people would continue to live this way which is to know the will of God and be strengthened by Him, to be fruitful and to have patience and joy.